Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin Nabiyyil Ummi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. Rabbi shirahli sadri wa salli amri wa ahlal uqdatan min lisani yafqa wa qawli. Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma, who's known as Hibrul Ummah, one of the most learned men amongst the Sahaba, a great Mufassir of Qur'an Ikrim, very young. He passed away in Ta'if and the masjid near where he is buried is known as Masjid Ibn Abbas in Ta'if. So Ibn Abbas once asked Abdullah bin Salam about the meaning of this ayah of Qur'an Ikrim. وَقَالَتِ الْيَهُودُ عُزَيْرُ نِبْنُ اللَّهِ Yehud say that Uzair is the son of Allah. لِمَا قَالُوا ذَلِكَ Why do they say that? <clears throat> so Ibn Salam explained, رضي الله عنه, Abdullah bin Salam رضي الله عنه explained that when Musa والسلام, went to go meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for 40 days it's mentioned in Quran Kareem at the end of those 40 days Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Musa والسلام, the alwah as they are mentioned in the Quran Kareem, like tablets those tablets contained the Torah instructions commandments for Bani Israel. When Uzair Salam's time came, by that time the Torah had disappeared. There was no one who had the Torah on them. And the ulama of our time and the ulama of our ummah have said, based on this narration, that the Torah, the transmission of the Torah had completely dwindled by the time of Uzair So there was not many people who were narrating the Torah like we recite Quran Kareem. And there's millions of people reciting Quran Kareem even outside of Ramadan. And we don't have Qur'an preserved so much in the books as much as we have it preserved in the hearts. So even if the Qur'an no longer exists on paper, it will always continue to be preserved in the hearts through the hufaz of Qur'an Kareem. But the way previous nations did it was they didn't necessarily memorize it or learn it in the heart. They just documented it. That's how Musa received it. So by the time of Uzair it was already gone. So one day, Uzair was received the Torah. According to the Ruwayat, it says, Lam yabqa fi bani Israel man yahfadu Torah alhamahullah hifdaha fasarada ala bani Israel that there remained not a single person who memorized 
or who had it in memory, the whole of Torah, until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired or revealed it upon Bani Israel. Now when, when Uzair al-Islam came to Bani Israel and he read it out to them, but he didn't have any tablet on him or any book on him that he was reading it from, they were impressed that even Musa والسلام, upon whom the Torah was revealed had a tablet. You don't have anything. That means you have a direct connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You must be the son of Allah. For them it was amazing that somebody could just recite without actually having it written down. If we had that same way of thinking, then every Hafiz would be Ibn Allah too. Every Hafiz is a son of Allah. So the difference between previous nations, now for us this is not impressive. Memorizing Quran, there's so mil millions of people who have memorized Quran Kareem. But this is a, actually a miracle of Islam. It's a miracle of Quran Kareem. Previous nations did not receive this miracle. So when it happened, it was a miracle. They were like, oh my God, there's something special about this guy. Not talking about Uzair, but anybody. I'm not talking about Uzair alayhi salam. There's somebody who just suddenly recited their book without reading it from something. For them, that was a miracle. And he read off the whole Torah. And they said, look, This person, he's reading off the whole of Torah and he doesn't even have a tablet or a book or anything on it that he's reading from. It's all from memory. That means that it was revealed upon his heart. He must be a son of Allah. So this is Abdullah bin Salam explaining why Yehud used to, not all the Yehud, a group of Yehud, <clears throat> started saying that Uzair is the son of Allah. Just like there was a group of Yehud that started worshipping the calf. Not everybody amongst the Yehud worshipped the calf. There was a group of them who worshipped the calf. Right? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the order that everyone execute their own family members who had worshipped the calf. So that means that not everybody had worshipped it. Same way here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with this miracle and it's so common that we don't even consider it a miracle anymore. Inside or outside. If you say to somebody, you know, this is a half of Quran Kareem, it's not a big deal. MashaAllah, Alhamdulillah, that's good. But it's not like, you know, start worshipping him or something. Or you think he's like an angel from the skies. That's what Bani Israel was thinking about. Uzair alayhi salam. And this is what they said. لَمْ يَسْتَطِعْ مُوسَىٰ أَنْ يَأْتِينَ بِالتَّوْرَاتِ إِلَّا فِي كِتَابِ Musa did not have the ability, alayhi salam, to bring us the Torah except on a tablet. وَإِنَّ عُزَيْرًا قَدْ جَاءَنَا بِهَا مِنْ غَيْرِ كِتَابِ and Uzair brought it to us without a tablet. 
That means he must be Ibn Allah. And therefore, one Jamaat amongst them started calling him that. So that's Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu explanation of why the Yahud said Uzair is Nibnullah. Now, who but Abdullah bin Salam could do tafsir of that ayah because it was about the Yahud, right? What the Yahud used to say. Only somebody who was formerly a Yahudi would be able to explain it. There's another awaya <clears throat> in which it's Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu anhu narrated that it's maktubun fit Torah. It's written in the Torah. Sifatu Musa wa Isa ibn Maryam. The characteristics and attributes and sifat of Musa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and Isa ibn Maryam alayhi salatu wasalam is written in detail. But there's one, I'm sorry, I made a mistake here. Sifatu Muhammad, the sifat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi are written in detail. Wa Isa ibn Maryam yudfanu ma'hu. And it's also written to the extent that when Isa alayhi salatu wasalam returns and he passes away, he will be buried next to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasalam. So this is a prophecy that goes even beyond the time of revelation of Quran Kareem, even beyond the prophetic era, even beyond the time of the Sahaba and Tabi'in. We're talking about the times before the end of time. We're talking about the end of times when Isa is going to return. So Abdullah bin Salam is narrating a prophecy from the Torah about the end of times. And this is a prophecy that Rasulullah has not narrated. Rasulullah has mentioned many things about the coming uh, uh, of Isa where he's going to come, the eastern minaret of the Umayyad Masjid in Damascus, right? He's going to descend, how he's going to look, what he's going to do, everything. But no detail about his death where he's going to die and where he's going to be buried. We know he's going to get married because of another hadith in which Rasulullah mentions that all this is the sunnah of all the Anbiya, which means that this will be a sunnah that will be fulfilled by Isa salam as well. So when he returns, he'll get married and he will live a normal life and then he will pass away. Here, Abdullah bin Salam is adding that one last brick to his story about where he's going to die and where he's going to be buried. That's in the Torah that he will be buried. He will die in Medina Munawwara and he'll be buried next to Rasulullah like we all would like. We'd happiest, we're, we're happy just to be in Jannatul Baqi. He gets a place right next to Rasulullah because he's the Nabi of Allah. How many hadith has Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu narrated all together from Rasulullah All together he has narrated 25 ahadith from Rasulullah It's not a whole lot of hadith. I mean if you compare it to Aisha radiallahu anha or 
Jabir radiallahu anhu or Abu Sa'id Khudri radiallahu anhu or Ibn Abbas even radiallahu anhuma narrate a lot less hadith than all of them. Usually the older Sahaba narrated a lot less hadith and the younger Sahaba not necessarily because they had stronger memories but because they had more zeal to learn and they were more courageous in the sense that we got to preserve as much as we can and take as much as we can from Rasulullah before he leaves this world. Right? The older Sahaba were more cautious. I do want to take from Rasulullah but what if the words get changed? What if it gets distorted? What if I don't narrate it right? Then what's going to happen? So when you get older, you come with that wisdom. When you're younger, you come with that zeal. Both are important in their own ways. We're going to go through one hadith by Abdullah bin Salam. I'm going to read the whole transmission of the narration and then the hadith itself so you can see who his narrations are coming from. Almost all his narrations are like this. Not all of them, most of them. Muhammad ibn Hamza ibn Yusuf ibn Abdullah bin Salam from his family. He's narrating from his father, who's narrating from his grandfather, who's narrating from his. Right? He says that I was with Rasulullah in a group of Sahaba when Uthman ibn Affan once came and he was, he was holding the rein of a camel Rahilatun and on the camel were two sacks, you know, sack of cloth. So two sacks, one on the right, one on the left of the camel. And, and he was holding on to the rein of the camel. So Rasulullah asked him, Ayyushain fil ghararatain. This is a hadith of Musnad Ahmad. Sorry, Mu'ajim al-Kabir. Ayyushain fil ghararatain. What is in the two sacks? So he said, Ya Rasulullah, daqiqun, flour, thin flour, and honey. Faqala nahubi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Rasulullah said, anikh, meaning tell the camel to kneel down, sit down. So, Hazrat Uthman Radulan did so. Then Rasulullah called for a Burma. Not Burma. Not Burma. Burma, Burma. Burma is like a, a pot, right? Called for a pot. And then he ordered for them to put some of the flour and the fat, the ghee, and the asal in it. And then they cooked it and he ate it. And then he said to the Sahaba of Rasulullah, he said, Eat from this. This is a dish known as Al Khabisa. With a sad, not with a tha. Al Khabisa. Sa. Khabisa means totally something different. Right? Khabisa. 
is khabiyas. Okay. So Rasulullah was introducing the Sahaba to this dish, Persian dish. They said, enjoy yourself. Hmm? Have some. I came across a, a, a dream that somebody saw. It's a little story of a dream that somebody saw. And they brought it to Muhammad ibn Sirin. And Muhammad ibn Sirin was the master of interpretation of dreams. And it's related to Al-Khabis. Right? I have to really pronounce myself properly so it doesn't sound wrong. Because it's still sounding wrong to me. I hope it's not sounding wrong to anybody else. Somebody's going to say to me later, why did you call me Khabib? Right. So, a man came to Muhammad ibn Sirin, rahimahullah. He said, I saw in my dream, Akulu Khabisan. I'm eating this Persian dish in Salah. So Muhammad ibn Sin having that insight right into dreams was able to respond immediately. He said, Al Khabisu Halal. Khabis is a dish which is halal, but it's not allowed for you to eat it when you're praying salah. Right? It's halal, but are you allowed to eat it in salah? No. Can't eat anything in salah. Then he asked him the question. Did you kiss your wife while you were fasting? It's okay to kiss your wife, but not while you're fasting. He said, Naam. He said, don't do it again. See how quick he was? SubhanAllah. There's also a story about Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu Once somebody presented this dish to him when he was in Sham. Right? And he tasted this and he said, I'm not familiar with this dish. What is it called? And they said it's called Khabisa. <clears throat> Apparently it was really easy to make, so it's not only Persians who liked it, everybody liked it. And it was very simple ingredients. So he ate a little bit and then he said, can everybody eat this? And they said, no. He said, all the Muslims can't have this? They said, no. He said, then it's haram for me for the rest of my life. I can't eat it. If the Muslims can't eat it, I can't have it. I have to live like everybody else. Simple. And I have to be fair. If they can't enjoy it, then I can't either. SubhanAllah. Imagine if, imagine if our leaders were like that. Hmm? How things would change. So that's the first rawaya. I mean, there's 25 rawayas. We're only going to go over one or two. By Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu anhu from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam about al khabisa Right? In another rawaya, he says, Qa'adna nafaram min ashabi Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. One day we were sitting with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Sorry, with the Sahaba. 
amongst us we were talking fatadhakarna and we were discussing and we said lawna alamayyul a'mal habbilallah azza wa jalla amilnahu if we knew which good deed was the best and most beloved to Allah la amilnahu we would act upon it so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayahs of Surah Saf. سَبَّحَ لِلَّهِ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لِمَ تَقُولُونَ مَا لَا تَفْعَلُونَ لِمَ تَقُولُونَ مَا لَا تَفْعَلُونَ كَبُرَ مَقْتًا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ تَقُولُ مَا لَا تَفْعَلُونَ O believers, why do you say what you will not do? It makes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very unhappy, very angry. And taqulu ma la tafa'lun. That you say what you will not do. This didn't mean that the Sahaba would not do it. They had a sincere intention. They had a sincere intention. But the problem was, is that what if Allah subhanahu wa something is very very beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he reveals an ayah about it and you're not able to do it, then what? In other words, their intention was good, but it also involved in a way a claim that anything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ever asks us to do, we'll do it. But how do you know you'll be able to do it? Do you have the ability to do it? What if something very, very beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is something outside of your capacity? So you can't be so quick to, it's good to be sincere, it's good to want what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants for you, but let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really loves it, He'll reveal upon you without your asking. The deen is going to be complete. And he's the last prophet, alayhi salatu salam. So it's going to be revealed. Don't ask for it. And don't think that you could do it if it comes because if it's something that's too hard for you to bear, then you may not be able to do it. And then, kabura maqtan inda Allah and taqulu ma la tafa'loon. And make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala angry. You said you would do this and then you're not able to do it. So Abdullah bin Salam who says that Rasulullah was sitting with us. He came when the ayah was revealed and he recited it. Now, <clears throat> Abdullah bin Salam, he narrated this hadith and he did the exact same thing. What did he do? He narrated the whole incident and then he recited those ayahs of Surah Saf. To his student who he narrated this hadith to, his name is Abu Salama. Like I said, not all his narrations are going through his family. Abu Salama had a student named Yahya, who's in the transmission, in the chain. He said, Abu Salama narrated the whole hadith to us, and then he also recited those ayahs. And then Yahya narrated to his student, his name was Ibn Kathir, and then he also. This Yahya, by the way, is uh, Uzai, Imam Uzai, rahimahullah. Imam Uzai, 
he narrated it to us. Uh, not Ibn Kathir, Tafsir Ibn Kathir. He came away later. There's another Ibn Kathir. He said, Imam Awzai, my, my teacher, he narrated this whole story to me, and then he also recited those ayahs. Right. <coughs> His name was Abdullah ibn Kathir. <coughs> and then Ibn Kathir's student, his name was Abdullah, he said, my teacher, Ibn Kathir, he narrated this whole story, and then he also narrated. So this became one of the Musal Salat. Musal Salat are those hadith that are narrated with a certain, with, with something that takes place along with the narration of the hadith itself. So it could be, there's one hadith called Musalsal bil Aswadain, which is a hadith in which Rasulullah narrated something and then he gave water and a date to the Sahabi. When Sahabi narrated that same hadith, he did the same thing. He gave water and a date or dates. <coughs> and then the Tabi'i did the same thing, Taba Tabi did the same thing, it became Musalsal. Musalsal means continuous. So this is also one of the Musal Salat. That whenever this hadith is narrated, right, from the teacher to the student, it's always narrated with the first few ayahs of Surah Saf. You know what Allah SWT loves? That you struggle in His path by fighting for His sake. In such a way that like they're a strong edifice, a big edifice, meaning that they'll never turn back and run away from the battlefield. That's a tough job. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves that. Will you be able to live up to that? That, you know, we're going to do whatever we, whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves, can you do it? That's why you shouldn't ask. Just leave it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when the time comes and you're ready, then He'll reveal it. This is the Rawaya of Sunan al-Darmi. <clears throat> two sons he had. Muhammad ibn Abdullah bin Salam, we mentioned this in the first two sessions. Muhammad ibn Abdullah bin Salam al-Khazraji al-Ansari and then Yusuf ibn Abdullah al-Khazraji al-Ansari. Full name is Yusuf ibn Abdullah ibn Salam or Salam as we mentioned earlier, Ibn Salam, Ibn al-Harith al-Khazraji al-Ansari, and then Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Salam, Ibn al-Harith al-Khazraji al-Ansari. Most of his rawayas go through these two sons. The amazing thing is, is that there's proof that both of these sons accepted Islam, but also became Sahaba of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So Yusuf. Ibn Abdullah bin Salam says that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sammani Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Yusuf. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam named me Yusuf. That means 
He was born in Rasulullah's lifetime. And I remember saying in the first session that Abdullah bin Salam named him Yusuf. Well, there is a correction there. I came upon this a while later. That it was not he who named him, but Rasulullah who named him Yusuf. وَأَقَعَدَنِي فِي حِجْرِهِ And Rasulullah had put me in his lap. وَمَسْحَلَ رَأْسِي And he patted my head. This is Yusuf ibn Abdullah Salam. Abdullah ibn Salam. And there's a second rawaya from him. So he's a little kid at that time. When Rasulullah did his tahniq, he named him. And of course, he must have attended the aqiqah as well. Yusuf ibn Abdullah Salam says, Ra'aytu Rasulullah kisratan min khubzi I remember seeing Rasulullah taking a small piece of bread of barley. He had a little piece of bread made of barley. On it, he put a date and he said, Hadhi idam muhadi. Idam means something that's eaten with bread. Usually a condiment. Like nowadays, when we have roti, what do we eat with it? Curry? But peanut butter could be also uh, idam because it's eaten with bread as well jam jelly honey these all things are eaten with bread as well so they can be idam as well right? so many things can be idam rasulullah sallallahu is saying that even the stammer you can even eat the stammer with bread because remember sahaba didn't have anything to eat so rasulullah sallallahu is teaching them to suffice with whatever they have then this becomes your idam Live with what you got. Right? Nobody would think nowadays of eating date with bread. But when it, if a situation becomes bad, then what do you do? If that's all you got, then that becomes your idam. So this is what Rasulullah is teaching. He said, Hadhi idam hadi. Then he says, فَأَكَلَهَا And Rasulullah ate it in front of us, The one who was the most respected and loved and the most esteemed in the eyes of his Lord. And if he who was the most esteemed in the eyes of his Lord could eat this, then what's wrong with us having it? Living a simple life and eating simple. Right? Which means that Yusuf ibn Abdullah ibn Salam is a Sahabi of Rasulullah but he's counted amongst the young Sahaba. Like Hassan and Hussein were amongst the young Sahaba. Right? He also is from the young Sahaba. There's one more thing I want to mention. Two more things and then we'll finish this, inshallah. There's a woman. Her name is either Khawayla or Khawla. Khawla or Khawayla. Yusuf ibn Abdullah Salam narrates a rawaya from her. She had a problem with her husband whose name was Aus bin Samit. And because of that problem she got she came to Rasulullah to complain about her husband that he's like this like that whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the first ayahs of surah mujadala qad sami'a Allahu qawla allati tujadiluka fi zawjiha wa tashtaki ila Allah wallahu yasma'u tahawurakuma inna Allah sami'um basir 
<clears throat> Yusuf ibn Abdullah bin Salam narrates that rawaya from Khawla or Khawla radiallahu ta'ala anha about what happened, what her discussion was with her husband, what, and then how she went and complained to Rasulullah and how the ayahs were revealed. That whole incident is narrated by Yusuf ibn Abdullah bin Salam. Now when it was narrated, when I read his name in the rawaya, I was kind of confused. You know, he could have narrated a lot of different rawayas. Why specifically this rawaya from Khawla radiallahu ta'ala? And then I made the connection, and that's connection that I want to share with you. If you remember, in the second or third session, we talked about two people who were the allies of the tribe of Banu Qainqa. Two people from the same clan, Banu Auf ibn Khazraj. Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salud, the chief of the hypocrites, was from that same clan, and so was Ubadah bin Samit, great Sahabi of Rasulullah He's one of the Sahaba who was one of the, the first Ansar, from the 12 Ansar that were the first to make bayah, not the second group, the first group to make bayah with Rasulullah Before the Hijrah, he was from that group. He is also a family member of Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, because they're from the same clan. So they're the same family. And they had a, an alliance with Banu Qainqa. This man, this Sahabi, who was the husband of Khawla, was Ubadah bin Samit Radiyan's older brother. So they were very, very close because they were from the same, they were allies and from the same area. Now, <clears throat> that was an interesting point. So, Banu Qainqa was exiled, they left. But Ubadah bin Samit anhu, had already absolved himself of his relations and his alliance with them. He said, I want nothing to do with them in Uhud. He said, I want nothing to do with these people. No, sorry, not Uhud, sorry, in Badr. After Badr, when Banu Qainqa, when Rasulullah laid siege to their fortress, he said, I want nothing to Minhum. Right? I want nothing to do with these people. My connection and I'm on the side of Allah and His Rasul. So everybody from Banu Qainqa left except who? Abdullah bin Salam. So he kept that alliance with him because they both had alliance with Allah and His Rasul. So they became closer as a result of the fact that they already had a connection even in the times of Jahiliyyah, but they kept it up for the same reason. Because they both united on the name of Allah and His Rasul So they had two connections. One is Allah and His Rasul But also that connection that existed in Jailia times. The alliance. Which was broken off because of Banu Qainqa. Right? So that's why Yusuf ibn Abdullah ibn Salam radiallahu anhum uh, narrates this rawaya from Khawla because he probably frequented her house and talked and met her often and her husband. So he knew what was happening inside the home. And so she directly narrates this rawaya to him. The last thing I want to narrate is that Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu anhu, where did he pass away by the way? 
Madina Munawra. That means he's probably buried in Jannatul Baqi. So, in the bazaar somewhere at the end of his life in Madina Munawra, somebody saw him, and he had a bundle of firewood on his back. Somebody said to him, Why are you doing this? Allah has given you plenty. Allah has given you plenty. He said, Arattu an adfa'al kibra. An adfa'al kibra. I wanted to remove arrogance from my heart. Samaytu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kibrin. Anybody who has even a kernel of arrogance in their heart cannot enter Jannah. They will enter into the hellfire. So I'm doing this to keep myself humble. Subhanallah. And this coming from a Sahabi of Rasulullah who has already been given the glad tidings of Jannah. Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas radiallahu anhu, what did he say? He said, there's nobody who's walking on the face of this earth regarding whom Rasulullah said that he's from the people of Jannah except Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu anhu. When did he pass away? During the Khilafah of Muawiyah bin Abi Sufyan radiallahu anhu in 43 Hijri. So when did uh, when was Uthman ibn Affan who assassinated? We mentioned that. A quick quiz. When did he? When was he martyred? Thirty-five Hijri, thirty-five or thirty-six Hijri. Which means, if he passed away forty-three, how many years after? Six, seven years, right? Six, seven years after the assassination of Uthman anhu, he passed away. So, this was during the time of either Muawiyah or Ali anhu. No, Ali anhu was already assassinated too by this time. So, this was during the time of Amir Muawiyah anhu, And he passed away in Medina Munawwara. He's buried in Jannatul Baqi. We know about many of the Sahaba like Saad bin Abi Waqas exactly where they're buried. And it's in my Hajj book as well. But there's no mention of Abdullah bin Salam anywhere. So obviously he's buried in Jannatul Baqi. Maybe he's buried somewhere else. Wallah Most likely he's buried in Jannatul Baqi. But we just, we just don't know where. We're not going to start with a new Sahabi tomorrow. Because if I start, um, I wouldn't be able to finish by the end of Ramadan. So, we'll just go over some other incidents or stories or anecdotes related to Abdullah bin Salam, one or two things. And, uh, and then we'll end the month of Ramadan with that. And then when the first or second Wednesday comes, we'll start our sessions again on a new Sahabi of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us and... May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring us together with Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu anhuma radiallahu anhu on the day of judgment. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us with his intercession on the day of judgment. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us to be with him in Jannah also inshallah. 
سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين we learned so much about these sahaba we need to remember them in our duas remember whatever duas we make for them it reaches them it reaches them the blessings the rewards the quran that we send and that increases our chances of receiving their intercession so the purpose of learning all these things is to increase our love so we make more dua and by making more dua they get more blessings they get more rewards they receive those and they know the who's who they're getting it from that increases our chances of intercession and we need their intercession on the day of judgment so that's the whole purpose of these sessions may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us connected with the sahaba ridwan allah increase our love for them increase our connection with them and through our connection with them increase our connection with allah and his rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam subhanarabbika rabbil izati amma yasifun salamun mursalin walhamdulillahi rabbil